0: this is the random non podcast episode 29 for august 8th 2021 i am one of your hosts kevin and to my virtual left we got jason hello hello and to my virtual right we have the ever so beautiful angel what's up oh wait i don't get a compliment i'm just flat no you're just jason yeah
1: Man, I mean, it's it, it's accurate, I guess, but man,
0: I'll give you I'll give you a, a title next next episode break. if I remember.
1: Okay. Well, I get you know it's and fair because I get the final word at the end, so it's only fair that Angel gets a little boost at the beginning. Okay, it's there all you about go. balance. Yeah. You, you so I that accept one. that I'm neutral because I get to say a random gibberish at the end. So. You don't like being I, the I, person that is present, but you're more than present. You're whatever Kevin said. i present, so beautiful or whatever. Omnipresent, omnipresent. <laughs> yes, you are everywhere. You are one.
0: I've had a man. I went to bed like maybe at five. So why? I, I have no to idea. Bed? I just, I just gonna go. I just gonna go to sleep. Oh, so, okay. I'm just gonna pop up in this this rockstar pure zero fruit punch. Please, rockstar sponsor us so I could get free rockstar. Be sure after you pop it to make a nice ah to really sell it it's pretty good what do you do you guys use anything to wake yourselves up do
1: you guys drink coffee no actually i never really when i was a kid my dad and me tried coffee once when i was like six and i i don't know how better described it It tasted to me how it smells like the taste and smell were like the same to me and like that's weird never again like i'll eat coffee ice cream but like i at this point i'm like why even bother if i've gotten this far in life without drinking coffee i'll drink tea you drink it black uh, no, he put a little milk in it, but but still – and I do like bitter stuff, so like I don't know, but just something about it, I don't know, just didn't hit the right way when I was a kid, and then I just I, I just never got into it. I also didn't like milk as a child, as I might have talked about on the show before. So like milk and coffee together were just a double whammy. But yeah, so I just – I don't caffeinate or do anything anymore. I just eat like a breakfast bar and have some water, and that's it. Breakfast bar. Yeah. What's a breakfast bar? Like a like a like one of those uh, chewy bars that are like co- chocolate coated, or lately what I've been having. Let's see if we can get a different sponsorship. Uh, cinnamon Toast Crunch Milk and cereal bar. It's like you're having a bowl of cinnamon Toast Crunch, but it's in portable bar form.
0: Oh, is pretty is, good. Are those the ones with the? Uh, they've got like that.
1: "Quote unquote milk coating at the bottom." Yeah, it's like this, like block of fake milk at the bottom, but it's actually pretty good. At least the cinnamon toast crunch one is. I haven't tried the other fine flavors that include honey nut Cheerios and I believe Fruit Loops. Nope, that's Kellogg's. Um, Lucky Charms maybe, but yeah, the cinnamon toast crunch one is is pretty good. So, come You're on, John Mills, something? give us that money. Oh,
2: uh, I mean, I I grew up in a in a coffee household. You know, like I by coffee all day. My dad was a a coffee sales rep. Or Gavinha. Um, I don't know how big they are compared to the other coffee world, but I want to say they supply the coffee to McDonald's. And even now, like, my uncle, like, we get free coffee all the time. So as you might expect, I don't drink coffee at all. I <laughs> I think I might have tried it for the first time in college, and it just didn't really feel like it was for me. Um, The closest thing I had to try it beforehand was trying, like, coffee-flavored, you know, just, like, those candies. And still feeling like I don't know if I really like this and even now like I've tried coffee once in a while, but I don't think I've ever considered it something that I would ever go back to I mean we'll see but yeah not not really a coffee person
1: I mean Kevin i I get the impression you aren't because you're always drinking energy drinks versus like coffee
0: uh no I'm not a coffee person at all uh like don't get me wrong every now and then I will drink a coffee and, and... It's not that I don't like the taste. I just never felt the need for it. Mm-hmm. Um, if I, I wake up super early for my job and I will wake up and just go to work like that with nothing, with like no caffeine and just go throughout my entire day. I know some people cannot live. My mom, she like gets headaches. She gets migraines if she doesn't have her morning coffee. My mom's I just think way. to my, that's a, that's a problem. <laughs> that, that's not, you cannot live like that. The there, fact that you have migraines if you can't – if you don't drink your, your morning coffee is insane to me. There was I mean, that, isn't, that just isn't that just withdrawal?
1: Yeah, it's caffeine yeah, withdrawal. Essentially. Yeah, essentially, which there, means
0: that there's a problem
1: there. Yeah, there was a period in the 90s where there was a product called Water Joe, and literally all it was was caffeinated water. And my mom swore by it. I needed to have one every day driving me to school, and, like, it was like, yeah, she has a bit of caffeine. She, our moms sound very similar in their caffeine dependence. <laughs> And listen, this is a judge free uh, zone, so anyone out there listening that also has a a dependence or even addiction to caffeine, we support you in your struggle and encourage you to uh not. There's some words of advice. Just don't. It's that easy. I'm I'm
2: guessing Water Joe isn't a thing anymore?
1: I don't think it's a thing anymore. I don't even know if it was a thing nationally. Like it was in Montana when we were there and it just got discontinued. I've never seen or heard about it since. I wonder if I Google it, if there's even, like, a Wikipedia page. Or maybe it's, like, some weird, like, moonshine someone's making in, like, a cabin in the woods in Montana or something. Let me see. Water Joe. Water Joe. Water Joe. The name doesn't even really make, like – it still exists. Oh, man. I It's back. Water, water Joe. Is water plus caffeine. Water with a work ethic is what it says. Um. However, the first thing under people who ask on Google is, is Water Joe bad for you? And it starts with, for healthy adults, it's likely safe. Likely. Doesn't it say safe. Likely. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think it's national. I don't know. But you can get it on I mean, Amazon you can say that $19. about any energy drink, too, true, though. True, true. It's likely I'm af- safe. I'm afraid to share with my mom that this still exists. Where would you even find that? Uh, I mean, they are selling it at, like, the local grocery stores there. But it looks like it's now mostly, like, Amazon Liquid Death oh no that's a that's a different water brand. I water like brand Liquid, Liquid Death. Death.
0: I like Liquid Death. Liquid Death's pretty, pretty good. Uh they gave it away at Adult Swim Fest that they had at the uh Bank of California Stadium when uh, it was there. And I had some. They were they were giving them out
1: for free. Uh huh. Is it caffeinated? Like what's its hook? Or what's no, it's, it's
0: not food? caffeinated. It's just it's just
1: it's just canned water. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's it. Okay. Um Oh, also, Kroger have, like, the has a water joke knockoff too. called HydraGo. Man, there's a... But yeah, it looks like it's only online. Like Amazon and Instacart and stuff for listing it. And I, gu- I guess maybe some Kroger brands have it, or their version. But yeah, it's a weird concept. Yeah, I'd I much just
0: rather prefer an energy drink. If if I can drink an energy drink over a coffee, I will do that uh, 100%. I've only been uh, drinking... Not that they're any better, but... Something about the sugar-free uh, energy drinks taste way better to me than
1: the uh, than you know full of sugar ones. See that I never got into energy drinks either for the same reason as coffee. I'm just like I don't need the caffeine. I don't know what like I don't honestly know what the energy drink, what the amount of caffeine in energy drink will do to me, like in terms of how jittery I'll get. Like one time we for my birthday went out to the the bars and we went to um, one that for folks who if I say a name meaningless, but basically that you could get a fishbowl. They call it and they pour a whole bunch of liquor in it and a whole bunch of stuff. And I think in one of the variants, they also put like Red Bull or something. And I was drinking some of it and I swear my heart was like, I felt like my heart was going to leap out of my chest. I was like, this is not enjoyable. And I've not had an energy drink since. And that was years ago.
0: Well, the way that you could always see it is like a Coke can has what 60 milligrams of caffeine? Yeah. Yeah. So just like this. This rock star has two hundred and forty milligrams. See, yeah,
1: no, like even like I do tea, like that's three uh, like cocaine. I tea a lot, and that's half of a coffee. And yours is like double a coffee or triple a coffee.
0: Well, to be fair, I recently started drinking these over uh what I used to drink—the monsters. The what were they called? They were called like Monster. I think they were just called Monster Zero Energy or something like that. No, that's a terrible name. Yeah, it's like it, hold on, they're, that's, they're, that's they'd very be confusing. Like, uh, Z- Monster. I, I forgot. Zero, it was like it was <laughs> like it was like zero or like absolute zero. I think was the name of it, it was. It was an all white can.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. And, the blue and those only on had a
0: yeah. hundred and twenty, so about two coke cans. But I mean, they still have other ingredients in there, obviously, to to boost
1: up the effects of the caffeine. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. uh And then there's just whole cottage industry of like calming drinks. Like, they literally create, like, there's energy drinks and next summer are, like, calming drinks. So you drink your Monster, then you drink your, like, Calm two o or whatever it's called. And, like, it's such a weird... It's so weird. Yeah. Well,
0: if uh, you want to start talking weird, if we can get into the episode. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah. talk about what happened... What was it, yesterday? Uh, Thursday night. No, it was day night. before, right? Thursday, Thursday night. night. Yes. Do you want I to leave believe- us off,
1: Jason? Yes, I believe you're referring to the experience that was... Kanye West's second live stream debut of an album that as of this recording still isn't out even though it was supposed to be out after the end of both of the live streams um yes yeah. so so a little preface here cause Kanye is a bit of a divisive dude um personally he's kind of a jerk but I think he has very interesting production and very interesting stage direction and things like that so I kind of am a sucker for his art um but he's kind of a jerk there's no denying that But, yeah, so Kanye, being the jerk that doesn't give us an album he's been promising for two weeks, uh, put on this elaborate thing at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia, where it was built a listening party, and this is the second one. Two weeks ago he did it, and it was him walking around an empty field in a red puffy jacket, just playing his music and kind of, like, vibing to it, I guess. I don't really know. And then it ended, and the music sounded kind of unfinished. And sure enough, then the album was delayed for two weeks and he made the interesting choice of living in the basement of the stadium. He did not leave the stadium for two weeks. He moved a bed in there. He moved studio equipment in there. He's apparently paying a million dollars a day to finish the album in there. And I think he, and he has collaborators coming in and stuff. And I think, uh, he's trying to make like a pressure cooker environment to like really kind of like squeeze a gem out of whatever situation it is but he has a habit of doing that like his other albums he would rush towards the end and even before the famous ones where he did it publicly online he would privately you know like fly everyone to hawaii and do like being a compound for like a week and a half and that gave us like dark twisted fantasy or he'd you know do all the lyrics to Jesus in like a six hour stretch like four days before release you know things like that so um that in of itself wasn't weird but what was weird is he literally just like stayed there in the same clothes and everything like there's a soccer game like three days after the live stream and he just emerged from the bowels of the stadium wearing exactly what he wore three days before which includes a weird face mask that kind of makes him look like an unrendered like NPC in a video game and uh yeah he's just like walking around the stadium in this bright red outfit with a weird face mask just mingling with the crowd and I was like wait what? and then he just like returned to the bowels of the stadium he's literally the phantom of the opera but the opera is Mercedes-Benz Stadium so That context, Thursday, uh, they do another live stream. This one actually was kind of – I don't know. I mean, Kevin, you watched it too, right?
0: Yeah, I I watched a little bit of it. I didn't watch the beginning uh, and I didn't watch the end. I kind of tuned out eventually.
1: Right. Yeah. It, it was a little long, but this one, um, had a little more structure. Like, it actually had, like, it, it wasn't just him walking around. They, like, like, they did this weird thing where the day going into it, they were live streaming one of the rooms in the basement. Like, like, honestly, he turned the fact that his album wasn't done and people were like, what's going on into almost like some sort of weird performance art in and of itself. So, like, the night before, they launched a live stream on Apple Music and then broadcast it to 60 bars around the world where, like, hip hop bars where, uh, it was just him and his collaborators, like, in a room, just like, hanging out and his bed was in there and at one point he was like sleeping and then another point this is real I can't make this up I was watching it like what was going on another point they're all him and some friends are all in there in like bulletproof vests that say the album name on them Donda Kanye's wearing his mask two of the guys are doing a push-up contest one of the guys has a haircut that looks like giant ram horns Like, his hair's literally shaped like two ram horns. I I don't know how to describe it any better. And then as that's all happening, in one side of this tiny room that looks like a prison cell, to the right, his audio mixer guy just is getting a haircut. Like, just a guy walks in with some, like, with, like, a buzzer and scissors and just starts giving a guy a haircut in the middle of this carpeted room where, like, inches away, people are having a push-up contest where Kanye's just, like, walking around in a mask. It was the weirdest... I don't know what, but they sort of like morphed that into the performance because then the center of the performance was a recreation of that room and he was acting how he was in that room, but on stage, but now surrounded by all these extras. And I think they were actually fans they recruited to do kind of like choreographed like movement all to the now, not, I guess, finished, but closer to finished version of this album. That's like an hour and 20 minutes long. Huh. So there's a oh, lot of things is happening. How, what? The how album's, is this album be? the album's 24 tracks, supposedly they played 22 on Thursday. It started around 7.30. It finished around 8.50 Pacific time. It's a long album. Oh, God. It's like a double album. But, um, yeah, it was just so weird. And, like, honestly, like, music-wise, it kind of felt like a return to form. But just watching it, the visuals were just like, what is going on? Like, at one point, he made a phone call, like, not party act. I don't think. I think it was literally calling, like, oh, the sound sounds off, guys. And then, like, another part, he started doing push-ups. And then another part, which is what, Kevin, I think you were watching, he um literally riffed on the fam of the opera idea and threw a giant puffy coat over himself and ran in a circle hunched over with the coat covering his body so he looked like he was just like a little kid like zooming around it was very strange I mean what did you well how did you feel when you turned tuned into it because you're just kind of coming and going so like it must have been extremely uh, bizarre
0: I mean yeah but that's that's Kanye isn't it mm-hmm, when mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I saw him live for years and he had a it was like a a chandelier on his face the entire time. Yeah. You don't get, you don't get normal Kanye performances anymore. Like you don't get college dropout era performances from Kanye. Yeah. It's gotta be like over the top. It's gotta be incredibly weird. And it's him. I remember I did say like, man, this guy's weird. And then somebody said, said, or what did he say? He was like, oh, he's an artist. I'm like, that doesn't stop him from being weird. Yeah. Like like, I can, yeah, that doesn't stop him from being weird. That, that doesn't get it. That doesn't. He didn't get to shield all criticism just because his performance is art. I and will say... Not that there was anything to be criticized,
1: but, like, Jesus Christ, that thing was so strange. I will say, there was a lot of references to Jesus in the music, so that was a nice little... No, but I will say that um, as weird as his stuff is visually, he always has an eye for, like... Or his people he collaborate with always do have an eye for stuff. Because, like... I mean, it ended with him <laughs> or someone dressed like him being lifted out of the stadium in a beam of light. Like they rigged someone up and sent him up. There's no beam shot of light.
0: that that wasn't him. That that was absolutely him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure no it was shot him. that he wouldn't want to do that. Himself. Yeah,
1: but like, and that you know what's crazy about that is there was concept art for the Jesus tour in 20 like twelve thirteen of him ascending in a beam of light, and they it took nine years, but they pulled it off. Yeah. Um. Yeah, those those were on the tour shirts. Yeah, that's right. For, they was, uh, yeah. Yeezus. Yeah, but, um, yeah, the thing is, like, it is weird, but it is visually very interesting, and the thing I've always kind of liked about him is musically, he does some interesting stuff. Like, he has some knack, he has some innate ability to just know weird things to sample, what to change them to, and just have it work. Like, there's a story from a producer, I think Benny... Blanco who now works with like Bieber and stuff but he helped Kanye with uh did the album you make Kits that Guts. name up because that's no it's like a real name a fake real name
2: Benny uh Blanco. Benny, Benny Blanco you know because
1: I'm drawing a blank but oh yeah yeah Benny Blanco uh, or Blanco maybe but um he was working on See Ghost with Kanye and Kid Cudi that was their collaborative album for a few years ago and apparently like they were almost basically done and then Kanye like walks into the room and goes here's a here's this like song from 1927. Take the snare from, like, the two-minute mark, up, pitch it three octaves, stick it at the 27-second mark of this song, and let it run for three seconds. And they just walked out. And then the guy's like, all right, I'll try it. And it just, like, worked. And Kanye has some, like, something in that weird head of his. Like, things just click in a way. And I think... As weird as the performance was, like visually there are a lot, there's a lot of really cool just like shots or like even how he had like, he was in the fake room in the middle doing weird stuff, but he had like the crowd around him that I think again might have been fans they actually brought on to volunteer to do it. Um, doing all these different movements and stuff where it kind of looked like basically a human visualizer for the music, which was like, you know, and then like the ascension thing was really crazy to see, but like actually looked really cool. Like it, so he does have a knack for that, but it's definitely like, I, the the fact that he did all this twice, they're running billboards for his album for weeks, saying it's available now and it's not. The fact that Apple's been like, you know, basically marketing this for him pretty heavily, and there's still no album. Like it's he's probably the only person that can get away with that for better or worse. Like, Tidal must
0: feel so cucked by
2: <laughs> him going yeah. with Apple. Yeah, isn't
1: no, he a isn't he a, a part he owner? Was of Tidal? I believe Tidal ended up selling the owner's shares. Like Jay Z sold his portion to. And uh, to Sprint or SoftBank or someone like that. Oh, I think wow. SoftBank. I think yeah, so SoftBank, I yeah. Yeah, I don't think the artists really aren't involved anymore. But Kanye's always had an eye on Apple. He considers himself, again, I don't like his ego at all, but he considers himself like the Steve Jobs of music, so he's always wanted to work with Apple for that reason. Um, but the thing I thought was most interesting about all this, like the reason I was really bringing it up, is I feel like, besides it being weird, there are few artists that I feel like really leverage that music is a digital form format or like this internet based thing in the way that he does if that makes sense because like a lot of artists and it's probably better that most don't because a lot of artists still believe you know you put out a song when it's done and that's it and then maybe for the fans you put out a demo version years later like Linkin Park used to do a really cool thing where they did a yearly compilation of old demos for fans for their fan club and you know you kind of get like a peek behind the curtain but ultimately just get the finished product but I feel like for the last like four albums Kanye's kind of taking this very like almost like tech company approach to his music where it's like oh there's like an alpha version a beta version there's patch releases and there's you know you're it's kind of crowdsourced in the sense of that based on the feedback he will either adjust songs or change songs or delay the album to do new songs or remove songs or whatever and you can't please everyone a lot of people are still you know annoyed that certain songs were cut years ago from other albums never to be resurfaced but just kind of the fact that it's like this loop it goes through where you know he puts something out, people say yay or nay, he's like, okay, I'm going to modify it. Demos of that eventually do get leaked, but then he kind of feeds into that by continuing to put out unreleased stuff in different ways, and then that kind of evolves, and eventually we get an album, and it's frustrating in the process if you just want to like listen to it while driving, because you can, but this kind of like circle it goes through, I feel like for better or worse, very few artists do it, but it is something that's only possible with how music has evolved into like kind of a digital format. And he seems like one of the people that's really at the forefront of, like, kind of leveraging that. Again, for better or worse, I don't know. But it's just, you know, it it's an, or it's like an ongoing... It's literally like software for him, which is interesting. Especially for someone who used to always insist on being so polished and only putting out the finest quality thing. To kind of, at some point, switch and be like, no, 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 this is like an organic, evolving thing. I don't know, it's, it's just kind of interesting. Yeah. And maybe it's not intentional. Maybe he's just a control freak that never knows what he wants. So he keeps like forcing everyone that works with him to like not release things. But um, I don't know it's, whether or not it's intentional. It's an interesting kind of leveraging of the current systems that wouldn't have been possible, frankly, like 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Well, maybe 10 because, yeah, maybe 10. But like 15, 20 years ago, like music could not be released like this, whether he wanted to or not. So it's, it's yeah, that was my whole thought. It was weird. I want the album already.
0: <laughs> all right, Jason, best uh, Kanye album. Go. Uh, it's oh, to- I want none uh, this. Oh, they're all good. No, no, I no, no. Want no. It's, to, it's a, it's I want a, it, yes, it's it's. Okay, you're... when I say best, I want your favorite.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's um. <sighs> Can I give two. I have two that are neck and neck. 808s and Heartbreak nope. and Yeezus. You, you, nope. But you if I have one. to pick one, I think Eight oh eight is what got me into him. But Jesus was like peak Kanye. That's first time I um. Jesus, give the... us one answer. Yeah, no, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Uh, I think Jesus overall, but I do really like 808s as well. Yes, I like the okay. one where he Angel. goes off the uh, the Kanye album.
2: I wouldn't know the name of them. Except for the ones okay. he just
1: named. <laughs> what about you, Kevin?
0: Uh, college dropout.
1: Okay, so you're more of a older, like old school Kanye. Yeah, I
0: miss the old Kanye, you know.
1: Yeah, the the as he likes to refer himself frequently. The pink polo, Kanye.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I yeah, uh, I I think graduations when I started to actually get into him more. But then 808s was like I don't know, like that really clicked with me. And then Jesus again, and Doctor's of Fancies up there. But like those are the, like standout ones. And it's interesting because those are. And not like to my own horn here, but it's interesting how those two, the ones that were the most divisive when they came out, ended up really being influential. Like, all the kind of, like, emo rap, like, sad, autotune, crooning, like, thing that's, you know, kind of what a lot of rap is right now, all stems out of 808s. And then Yeezus, the abrasive sound, is like, you know, Travis Scott's pretty much riding that wave and artists like that. So, like, it, it it's interesting how the two that, like, at the time were most derided ended up being kind of the ones that shaped rap the most since... Cool, cool, cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I've been waiting to spill my guts about this ever since I finished it. Uh, no transition there. I just want to get into it. <laughs> Go for uh, it. About a month ago, at this point, probably two months ago, a trailer for like a new anime series was released uh, for an upcoming show called Chainsaw Man, uh, being worked on by MAP Studios. Who animated the last season of Attack on Titan and Jujutsu Kaisen, which I've talked about, uh, Jujutsu before. I don't think we got into the last season of Attack on Titan. I don't even remember anymore, Angel. Did we? No, I don't think we did because we
2: thought that they were going to do a second part and we're like, yeah, we'll just wait.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Your brother finally caught up to, to Attack on Titan. He said, oh, he Man, did? what oh, a show. No. Yeah. He, yeah. He, nice. he let me know. Yeah. And, and, uh, so we haven't talked, uh, we haven't attacked, we haven't talked Attack on Titan, but, uh, I did talk about Jujutsu Kaisen. And I found that a little generic, but like the visuals for that show were, were always dope. And sure enough, the trailer for Chainsaw Man looked awesome. And, you know, that was about a month or two ago, whenever it came, came up. And so then I decided to just read My Hero Academia, the, the manga, because this season just hasn't been doing it for me. And I saw that, like, shonen jumps digital subscription is only like two bucks and they had all of whatever how many chapters like uh my hero academia had they had black clover i could finally finish bleach but they also had chainsaw man uh because the manga had just like a two-year run so i said screw it i'll read it and then from the first chapter i got absolutely hooked to the point where i read the entire series in two days it's fantastic so the show or the show the, the manga well soon to be adapted into an anime. It's about this one like destitute 16-year-old named Denji who's paying off his uh, late father's debt to the Yakuza. And he's got a little dog who has the tip of a chainsaw sticking out of its head uh, named Pochita. So Pochita is a chainsaw devil, which is, in this world, the physical manifestation of humankind's fear of chainsaws. So in this world, humankind's like collective psyche, their collective fear of something actually creates devils of that thing. So Jason's afraid of milk, uh, <laughs> which we talked about. Yeah. So yeah. there would be a milk devil. If like enough people were afraid of milk, there would be a milk devil in this
1: world. And would it, um, it would it take the form of sticking out of some small animals head, like half a carton of milk, like a, a cow,
0: maybe it'd probably be like a giant carton of milk. With, like, arms Mm. and stuff like that. So, like, the the
1: Stay Puff guy from uh, Ghostbusters, but just milk.
0: Yeah, something a little bit more like that. Gotcha, okay. Yeah. And, like, the more that uh, people are afraid of this thing, the stronger the devil actually is. And so, to combat them, there are professional, like, devil hunters... That are actually sanctioned by like the world's government. So the US has their devil hunters. Japan has its devil hunters. China has its devil hunters. So you get the idea. So like in the uh, first couple of pages you see that there is a tomato devil. Which is just like a huge tomato that was drawn by uh, Junji Ito. But then in the same chapter. which This is all in the first chapter. You see that there's a zombie devil. Created from like people's irrational fears of zombies. And so during his encounter with the zombie devil. Then uh, minor spoilers for like the first couple of chapters, but like Denji is actually killed, but he makes a con uh, a contact a contract with Pochita, his little dog. So Pochita will revive Denji and become his heart, and in return Denji has to follow his dreams. So then Denji is revived with like a pull string in his chest, you know, a pull string the way that Woody has one in his back, mm-hmm. and so. When he pulls that, he becomes the Chainsaw Devil. Which in this form, he has a chainsaw coming out of his out of both of his arms, and his head becomes like a robot head, and he's got a chainsaw coming out of that. The the design is is really really wicked. There's already some cosplay about it that looks super super cool. So he fights uh, the.
1: I think I need to retract Kanye being the weird thing of the episode. (laughs) I think he just topped. Oh, dude! This.
0: I mean, we're, we're talking about Japan here. Like, yeah, true, 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 true. Yeah, no matter how weird Kanye can get, he's never gonna, he's never gonna be anime He's weird. never gonna top the Japanese. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Uh, yeah, so after, uh, after he gets his, uh, this power of his, he then gets recruited by Tokyo's hunting division. And that's really where the, like, story starts. It, it does start out very monster of the week-like, where like every few chapters, a new devil gets introduced that needs to be killed. And they're kind of boring at the beginning. It's like, Oh, here's the bat devil, which is literally just a bat. Oh, here's a skin devil, which grafts itself to, like, people's skin. Um, But, like, the world building surrounding all these devils is, like, incredible. Like, you learn that uh, the same way that Pochita made a contract with Denji, humans can make contracts with devils to use their powers to hunt other devils. So, like, one of Denji's teammates, Aki, he has a contract with a few devils, like a fox devil, which is just a huge demonic-looking fox that can summon that he can summon at will, and he also has a contract with a curse devil that will kill his enemies in exchange for his lifespan. Then there's also fiends in this world, which are just devil-possessed corpses, and one of the main characters is actually a fiend, and her name is Power. And there's a uh, there's a very big like anime uh, YouTube channel uh, where the uh, the guy. Comp- like accurately described her as Eric Cartman from South park as a waifu. Uh, all right, <laughs> which, yeah, exactly.
1: That, that paints a very vivid uh, picture though, to be fair.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then when the fighting does start with these characters, it's easily the most violent, bloody and gory shonen manga that I've ever read or seen. I'm surprised that this was even put on Shonen jump, uh, Because there are spreads that are nothing but blood and guts. There are people that are constantly getting decapitated or maimed. People just getting shot in the head left and right. And it's also incredibly, incredibly horny. To the point where I don't know how much of it they can actually show in the anime adaptation. And like I said, this is supposed to be a Shonen Jump like series. When you think Shonen Jump, what do you think, Angel? You think Naruto, Dragon Ball Z, One Piece?
2: Yep, pretty much those.
0: Yeah, isn't and it, this isn't is a
1: kid-friendly publication normally.
0: Yeah, yeah, and this is definitely not kid-friendly at all. Um I, I so there is a story behind it where the creator of Chainsaw Man, he did he had like a previous manga that he worked for Shonen Jump that wasn't nearly as like x-rated as this, but the publisher uh said, "Yeah, do whatever you want. We'll we'll give you We'll give you, like, j- just do whatever you want. It's fine. Because a long time ago, uh, the creator of Attack on Titan came up to them with, like, here's the show that I want to do. And they were like, nope, too too hardcore for Shonen Jump. So, Attack on Titan was originally supposed to be a Shonen Jump series. But then the publisher got worried. That it was like, oh, no, this is too X-rated. And so they lost on that big. You know you know how big Attack on Titan is. Yeah, yeah. So they're like, uh, let's not lose out on another thing. So that's why it's on show and jump. Yeah. So there's like a, it was but, like a um, knee
1: jerk reaction that led to them picking this up. almost. Yeah, exactly. Huh?
0: And yeah. So the end result is like this incredibly violent and like horny manga that's eventually going to be adapted into an anime, but like for as violent and horny as it starts and is throughout the entire series, it's also very profound at times. Like it, Tackle subjects such as loneliness, depression, fear of the unknown, self-identity, and like you see these characters grow, and it's really nice to see this like contrasted with the ultra-violence that happens, and it never like lets up. It, it's, this show goes from zero to a hundred so, so quick, and like it also has this weird pleasure, like almost of, uh, George R. R. Marner was writing this in like, breaking your heart multiple times by just offing characters that you, like, fall in love with across its entire run. It's insane. But, like, it's total whiplash works, and it's something that I haven't really seen in manga or anime before, but but, granted I don't read much manga. I have been now with this Shonen Jump Plus subscription, which is, like, $2 is a steal, dude. I don't know why more people don't get into it. Um, But, I don't know. I love it, man. Chainsaw Man is probably my favorite manga. For sure. It's gonna be hard to top it with whatever I read from now on, and now that, like, MAPPA even is My working Hero? on the anime adaptation, what happened? Oh, even yeah, My... better than My Hero, for sure. Absolutely. With, like, out of doubt. My, it, it's not even in the same class. It's not in the same league at all.
2: Damn, it's kind of crazy considering how high you were giving that show praise. I mean, I haven't read it, so I don't know if I would... No, but, damn. that's, that's Oh, like, that.
0: don't get me wrong, the, the upcoming arc for My Hero is probably... It, it's, like, the best that it that that series is going to get for sure like yeah that that still comes nowhere near to to chainsaw man for sure um and now with like the anime coming out it's going to be mappa so it's probably going to be like one of my favorite animes for sure unless they they cut a lot of corners which would be disappointing so and assuming that they don't follow the manga which is always the uh what kills like some of these anime ad- adaptations um, but I don't know. I'm super excited. There's a panel where Denji as Chainsaw Man is riding a shark devil into battle like a horse. And I just can't wait to see that animated. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I love it. So, uh, I, I guess, no, nah, I, I won't even say it. There, there was a, the, the final, final panel is like a twist in itself. Uh, that got me super excited about the future, the, the possible future of Chainsaw Man. So, I got that to look forward to, and uh, with that, the floor is yours, gentlemen. Yeah, those, uh, I was gonna say, like, does
2: I mean, does this anime look like the kind that's gonna eventually maybe get like its own like video game and all that kind of stuff, or do you think it's just gonna kind of live and die as a manga and anime, and maybe not even get a movie? I mean, it is on by Shonen now, which I guess does kind of open those doors up, but I guess I'm curious what you think like the potential for its growth is.
0: I could see possibly a video game that is nothing but, like, boss rushes. Oh But that's pretty much it.
1: Also, oh, like like, uh, that game Fury or whatever? That indie game where you just go from that boss That game Fury, to... that yeah. game
0: Titan Souls, that game Elder Souls. Literally, Monster every, every <laughs> so, game so is essentially games. just a boss rush now.
2: <laughs> hmm, what about but, uh, life action adaptation? Because I was seeing recently on, um, I think Anime Expo was tweeting out, like, oh, we have these... Stage plays that uh, used to be Japan only or something. Or I don't know where you would watch them, but they're available online now. And you could watch like Naruto, the live action something or freaking uh, My Hero Academia, the live action, whatever that thing is. Because I'd be curious to see what like a stage play like uh, Chainsaw Man would look like.
0: It would have to be like some of the, the more calm moments, like when they're all just hanging out in an apartment. Because like the fights, I don't know how you get away with not showing blood or gore. I mean the main character is is splitting heads with chainsaws.
2: Yeah, it's a messy weapon by nature, so (laughs) yeah, Yeah. definitely. Uh,
0: No, I I love it. I more people need to get into it. And I'm sure it's gonna explode once the anime comes out, for sure. Especially after that trailer. That that trailer is like just a minute of pure like pure like ten out of ten
2: animation. Yeah, but it's uh, pretty awesome. I yeah. did see the trailer, and it yeah. does it pretty hype. Yeah, looks, maybe looks a little awesome. too much for Jason's heart, but let's we'll see. My oh, heart yeah. will explode? Absolutely. Well, I
1: know violent violence is fine. Is that what you mean by my heart, or do you mean just excitement? Both. Oh uh, well, violence is fine. I mean, I, I don't know. Excitement, you might be right. What about what about horny? That might be too much for my heart. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh,
0: was sticking on this uh this anime train angel you've been watching fate zero
2: yeah fate zero an anime i didn't think i would ever get around to watching not because i've heard bad things about it i mean the fate series is definitely i'm mean, gonna have to acknowledge that it's just incredibly popular it's always noticed and i always see a lot of stuff about it whenever i go to anime expo or any anywhere in general i remember seeing a ton of merch for it in japan but you know since i didn't watch it it was just like oh it's a a whole aisle i can ignore essentially but It's been coming up a lot during work and I just got curious, curious enough to finally, you know, just pull the trigger and just be like, all right, let's just see what this thing is about. And I know there are a bunch of different, I guess, series inside the Fate. We'll call it like the Fate universe. And within that you have. So, but it sounds like they're, uh, what's a better comparison? I was going to say, yeah, actually, yeah, they're kind of like Zelda. Like, they all take place in the same universe, but you don't necessarily have to have played um, Skyward Sword to play Breath of the Wild or Phantom Hourglass for that matter. But there is a through line through all of them. And I would recommend it to start at Fate Zero, which, according to them, is like, I think it's like the earliest part of the timeline of the show. Or at the very least, it's like an origin of sorts or just like, you know, just an early point. Cause from my understanding, there was an older show called Fates Day Night that. Yep, I took saw play, that a long time ago. Yeah, this was like 2000. I think it aired in somewhere around 20 2000 between 2004 and 2007 something like that. Yeah, and damn, yeah, have you thought a long time ago? Like, I can't even imagine what the quality of anime, what the quality was like back then. Because now I'm used to like you know everything being nicely shaded with like crazy visuals and whatnot. Because this show is really pretty looking, but um. The yeah, same so, studio that does uh Demon Slayer. Yeah, you have full table, which was also pretty cool to see. It was like, oh, it's them. So the I, so quality, yeah, you're definitely getting that. You're getting your full production values there, and yeah, I mean, so far, like, I'm really liking it. It's basically, in a nutshell, I guess it's not that much different from anime I do like, because I I would say about like maybe a third of the animes that I watch just end up being tournament anime in some way. And this one I would definitely describe as one because the premise is essentially, and I'm pretty sure it's the same like throughout the other ones. Maybe it tweaked a little, but essentially every X number of years or something, uh, the Holy Grail, there are these Holy Grail wars and essentially like a set number of individuals. So I think it's like around like seven or eight or some arbitrary number that get chosen by the Grail. They get like marked. And then they have to summon a servant from across, like, history. So they could be... They could end up with Alexander the Great or with, like, um, Alexander the Great or, like, Jack the Ripper. Or, like... I mean, they don't necessarily have to be good people. Just, like, you know, powerful warriors. And they're obviously animated up. Like, they have magical powers and crazy abilities and all that kind of stuff. And... Yeah, they essentially fight like eliminate, like you know, it's an elimination battle. You find the the servant and their and their champion, I guess, and you have to kill them, and then last one standing gets the Holy Grail, which lets them grant a wish. I am maybe two or three episodes away from finishing this Fate Zero, this series, and damn, it's really cool. Like this, for as many characters as it has, so far they've done a good job of balancing it out so you do get to know every single one pretty well. Even the ones that you're not supposed to root for, like you get their motivations pretty well. And even the good guys, like there isn't really anyone necessarily that you're like, oh, this person's going to win because they feel like the most like the main character. There is one that does feel like the quote unquote main character that I feel like, you know, they definitely have the most plot armor. It also doesn't help that I'm pretty sure I've seen more Merchandise of this character named Saber because they're just named after their weapon. Um, yeah. she does have an actual name that they say a couple times, but I don't remember. She's just like one of the kings of like the Knights of the Round Table, and she uses the Sword Excalibur. And, and yeah, I know I've seen like her figure across like multiple versions. I'm pretty sure she was in Fates Day Night, but um, yeah, or she, maybe she was, which is kind of cool because now like it makes me curious to see, like, oh. I guess what happens later in the future because there is a child in this anime that, you know, seemed pretty important. They seem like, oh, this looks like a key character. And then, you know, later on, just from looking at other media, I see a picture of her grown up in, a, I guess, an earlier series, for lack of a better term. Because, you know, this one is still pretty recent-ish. And I'm like, oh, so I guess this is like, you know, I guess her as a kid. And I guess so. So she's been an established character. But since I'm watching it in chronological order, I guess now I have her backstory. But, you no, know, stories are good. Action is great. It gets, uh... I, I mean, it's your typical kind of gore. It's not like... I'm pretty sure it's nothing like um what Chainsaw Man is going to be or, like, other shows. It's, like, somewhere between... Maybe slightly below Attack on Titan, if I'm trying to remember this correctly. I mean, it can definitely get, it it gets really bloody and there is like some, I guess some disturbing imagery, but I'm pretty sure they never really show like, you know, guts and stuff. It's just like impalements and gunshots. And yeah, they do like to spray it around a lot. It's almost like a Tarantino film sometimes. But I don't know, each of the, the warriors themselves are also pretty interesting. Like they made someone that fights with just Lances look pretty cool. And I was pretty surprised about that. And they also have a character named Ryder whose gimmick at first 15 that, oh, he has like a, like giant, like steeds, they're like bulls that carry him on a chariot. And I'm like, okay, how's that a weapon? And then they show how it is. And it's like, damn, all right, that was pretty cool. He like kind of pretty much rides it around at lightning speed and just like blows everything up. And he also, for some reason, has the ability to transport whoever he wants to a... Another dimension where he has like an army of people that he commands or something like that everyone has like a a final smash of sorts which is like probably the best way to describe it that they can only use like once like every once in a while because it expels too much energy and of course Excalibur has one that you know OTK someone but of course they find a way to make it so that she can't use it for the good majority of the show but I think where this show succeeds the most is just in the relationships between the characters and how like their motivations like kind of clash at times or align with each other because you know these servants they're just they're just following the orders of their masters to get the Holy Grail but you know some of these warriors like Saber is you know your typical honor bound wants to do things right they don't want to fight any in any underhand way but their master is like a master assassin who will literally do anything to just like make the fight as easy as possible and kill the opponent, which completely contradicts with how everything she stands for. And they use that to great effect to like, there's there's a couple like, like what the, like there's a lot of WTF moments and I was not expecting that. Even with um some of the, I guess I'll call it kid torture. There's a lot of um, kid torture. Um, okay. Cause there not, is a- I did not expect
1: that in the middle of this, but okay. Yeah, didn't see <laughs> that with coming. a
2: curve? Yeah. yeah this, I mean, this is like pretty early on, like, one of the servants and masters happens to be- one of the masters is just like some serial killer. He's just goes around killing mainly adults and kids. It seems like it's mainly kids. And then the servant that he gets just happens to be another serial killer from like, ancient history. And, they pretty much make it their mission to just kill as many kids as possible, and they do not shy away from showing how horrified and scared the kids are right before they meet their doom. Like, there's one scene in particular that I remember seeing a gif of this. Like, I remember there was this gif in particular that I saw many years ago where it showed, like, a kid, like, running away from something and then, like, running towards, like, the exit of his house, and then he just stops in front of his door, and then you just see him start crying, and then... Oh, wait, it wasn't a GIF. It was a clip because I remember hearing sound. And then suddenly you see, like, these tendrils grab the kid and it drags them off screen. And you just hear, like, screaming and, like, bones getting crunched and, like, splurts. And, yeah, it's... They paint a pretty picture. We'll put it that way. So that may not be for everybody. Picture, all right. Yeah. Hmm. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm definitely curious to see, like, where they just go from here. I don't know if I'm going to watch... I don't... I'm liking it a lot, but I don't know if I like it enough to go out and make it like, my theory. like oh yeah, I'm going to watch every single fate theory there is cuz there's appears to be a ton of them. I even across like yeah, games and stuff.
0: Unlimited so, Blade Works, you have Grand fate. Order? Fate Where is that? Fate Grand Order? There might that's, be a game <laughs> or something. I don't that's know. a game, yeah. You've got uh, Fate Tiger Coliseum? Oh no, that's also a game. Uh, I know there's one Fate app uh, apocrypha apocrypha what i know that's an anime 25 Uh, episodes well apocrypha
2: i think at the very least i'll probably just watch fate state night after just because i feel i owe it to myself and a friend that recommended the show to me over a decade ago and i didn't watch it then but they told me i mean i i trust the recommendation i honestly don't know why i never got around to it Especially considering that they recommended I watched what would end up becoming my all-time favorite anime. That, in spite of how many animes I've seen up to this point, and no matter how many I've loved to death, like, you know, the mob cycles are amazing and that kind of stuff. Like, I think, yeah, this one, it just, like, really, like, zeroed in on, like, my specific taste. Like, I think... I don't know. Um, I know, like, Food Wars, I talked about that show. Um, That one, like, almost seems kind of parallel to Taki Japan, which is the one I'm talking about, the bread anime. But, yeah, this one, I don't know. It's just just better. It's the only anime I've ever watched a completion, maybe once a year, that I like so much that I went out and bought the entire manga. So I have the whole collection at home that I've read twice already and probably gonna read again. And, yeah. So I don't know if it'll reach that scale but sure, probably buy chainsaw man but yeah i mean definitely curious about checking out chainsaw man For the most part yeah looking forward to that but but yeah pleasant with fate order i mean fate zero i'm happy that last time i went to little tokyo and i went to like you know the tokyo jungle that one store that with like all the merch and i was like oh look it's saber it's lancer it's caster blah, blah, blah. like oh you know i was able to recognize characters and because they're so popular and they're like everywhere it's kind of cool I may get like one thing from that series, just because I'm enjoying it that much. Maybe like a little saber or something. But yeah, that's a Fade Zero. The not the beginning. Well, I guess it is the beginning chronologically wise. But definitely, if you don't want to watch something that has probably like lower production values or older, then I would probably also recommend starting with this one. It was. It definitely felt like a good starting point for someone that was just entering the series. But I mean, obviously, Phase Day Night came first in our chronological order, so I'm sure that's fine if you start there, especially if you don't want to go backwards in quality because, you know, it's it's like over a decade old. But yeah, that was Phase Zero. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, I guess
0: the best way that I got to transition this is we are talking about ultra-violent stuff, so we can continue on with uh, The Suicide Squad. The uh, much-anticipated semi sequel to 2016's absolutely terrible <laughs> Suicide Squad. Yep. Which I, Jason, I know you've seen it. I don't know if you've actually seen it, Angel. I have not. It's. Uh, you're doing you're doing yourself a favor, it's brother. It's
1: something. Uh, I I still you
0: can say what it is. It's it's terrible.
1: I I still it's so weird because like the I first get there's
2: history cat. between Harley and Boomer. That's,
1: yeah, I that's what's interesting like, is they kind of nod long, at I it guess. a couple like, of times this like, Yeah, this Yeah, but, yeah
0: that, that's all you really got to need to
1: know. Yeah, but like the 2016 one was like the way I described it, and I don't know if i ever said it on the podcast, but the way I always describe it is that first half hour of the movie where they're like introducing every character and jumping around like crazy and the tone shifts so quickly. It's like when you're in a car and someone else in the car keeps changing the radio station and doesn't let it like sit for a sec to see what the song is that was like the entire first half of the last suicide squad movie like it was just so rapidly changing tone and vibe and everything and it was just yeah wasn't good and that just settled into this really mediocre just like boring heist with kind of low stakes but also kind of not like i don't know it just wasn't good this one on the other hand yeah.
0: yeah yeah this one on the other hand yeah i uh we'll probably talk a little bit of spoilers
1: but what did you guys think just overall of the movie it's fun i had fun with it it was a fun movie yeah, I think, I think, um I, I'm trying not to say spoilers. I think the back half might have been a little stronger than the first half, in my opinion, in terms of just like, the characters and the humor and everything, but they, the, the first five minutes, I, I don't want to spoil anything. The first five minutes is really solid in what it accomplishes. I think, and then there's kind of the man first half is all right, and then the second half gets really strong. I actually thought the third act, third act was one of the better third acts in a superhero movie in quite a long time, in terms of you know the big CG fest, but not being too like ridiculous. And, I mean, it's ridiculous, but in being too ridiculous in terms of like the amount of CG or how like over the top it feels. Like it fit what the movie was presenting. Like it didn't feel like you know like with Wonder Woman where it went from like zero to a hundred really fast. Like this felt within the yeah. The scale of the movie, which actually is something I, I really liked about the movie, was it knew what it was. It knew the inspiration of what it was drawing from. It understood it was using C list and D list, like DC hero uh, villains for the most part. And it just embraced it and rolled with it. And it occasionally would make kind of winks and nods to it, but mostly it was just like, yeah, we picked these characters. We know they're absurd. There's a dude who throws polka dots, but we're going to make it work. And they did. And that's what I thought was really impressive. Yeah. yeah I, was expecting I, much. I also
2: though it worked. Oh, sorry, uh, I'm sorry. What happened? I don't know, that. I said I wasn't expecting much from the movie. I, w- I just wanted a a story I could follow and I was expecting it to be, you know, kind of a comedy with some I guess over the top I guess violence and that's exactly what it was, so yeah. Not pretty yeah. much to uh, say on top of what Jason said.
0: Yeah, I I liked it obviously obviously more than uh Suicide Squad sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there were some issues that I had with it uh, first of all I think the the hype got a little too yeah. in my head where I was like oh man this is this is getting well, it had on Rotten Tomatoes I think like a 96 when I saw it I was Same. like Jesus yeah. Christ and then it n- didn't necessarily and I know how Rotten Tomatoes works I know that it's not getting 9 point it's not a 96 out of 100 that it's but yeah, some of that some of the hype did get to me. And then uh I was like, okay, that was that was fun, that was good. Uh definitely not and maybe a little overblown, I guess. But maybe maybe the reason that was happening was because it was being contrasted against Suicide Squad 2016.
1: But it was also um, being contrasted with Guardians of the Galaxy cuz you know, that's James Gun James Gunn's other big bad guys that are kind of good working together movie. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. It it, it falls somewhere between them, I'd say. Like, I don't know if it hits the, the. I don't know if it has quite the same charisma, like the same dynamics between the characters that Guardians 1 succeeded in, for example. Something that I. I it's funny
0: that you bring up Guardians because, yeah, we know that. Well, every, I, I'm pretty sure everybody who, who sees The Suicide Squad is going to know that James Gunn is the director of Guardians of the Galaxy, but uh, I didn't see a lot of comparisons between them or and what I did see was specifically only talking about Guardians 1 which I think this movie is a lot more like Guardians 2 where we'll get a little bit more into it with the uh when we talk spoilers but um, this movie felt like a series of vignettes yeah uh that were connected and then each vignette had its own like style and f- like way of editing which I think was a little too much for me where to me, it didn't feel like, well, it did feel like one coherent vision where I'm like, okay, yeah, this is James Gunn's suicide squad, but it felt like he was passing the director's chair to like other
1: people. Um, it, it kind sure of felt get like a little
0: bit into that when in this in
1: the spoilers it yeah. kind of felt like keeping it vague as well um yeah it kind of felt like those vignettes so most of those vignettes without spoiling anything were the emotional impact points really like the the big emotional moments like the backstories of characters some of the emotion that drives that and that felt to me like a mix of him kind of nodding to the original suicide squad with how like destroyed it was almost in a way but also just wasn't there wasn't e- – I guess there just isn't an easy way to do these character backgrounds when you're combining all these different characters basically out of nowhere and giving them each a chance to shine. So the the thing I ran into with that – I agree it was kind of like Guardians 2 like in terms of – especially some of the emotional points they tried to hit were very paralleled. But um, yeah, it, it just felt like they just sort of like grinded the movie to a halt for a minute to do this vignette and they're like, OK, anyway, and like just pick right back up where they were. Like it was, it was kind of disjointed feeling almost, the vignettes to your point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I guess with that, we could go into a little bit of like the spoilery discussion. Yeah. I, unless you guys have anything I think if there's to add. T- I'm
1: just trying to think if there's anything broad I can say that won't be a spoiler before we do. Yeah, we could probably just go in. Um, actually, no, I do have one thing. I do have one thing. The um, What was I going to say? Uh, nope, it's a spoiler. I take it back. I'll wait. Yep. Oh, no, no, no. I remember. I won't have to say what it is, but I thought the action was very well shot. Like, I thought the best things in the movie were kind of the action sequences and the kind of, like, the dynamic way he did them. Like, it felt, like, a little different. Like, beat-wise, story-wise, I don't think this movie had any surprises that, like, if you don't follow superhero movies, you couldn't, like, kind of, you know, nothing, like, really blew your socks off, I'd argue. But the way it was put together and shot and the way they, you know, went about presenting that action, I thought was really well done and sort of stood out against a lot of other, especially DC movies. So... Yeah, that's my last so, spoiler. I, I free think comment. we, I think we
0: all <laughs> recommended enough, right? Yeah, Have we yeah. all at least recommended enough to watch on HBO Max. Yeah,
1: it, it's, yeah. it's 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 a, it's a <laughs> yeah, it's it's a fun ride. Um, I think it it's, it's a fun ride. I think it's pretty crazy that Warner Brothers let James Gunn basically go completely wild with this. Like, there was no like the last Suicide Squad. The big thing was the studio intervened to the extent of like bringing the trailer editors in to edit the movie against the wishes of the director and you know take it or leave it that he shot the original footage I got probably is to talk about that
0: yeah <laughs> about that.
1: i mean it's he's it's still his footage and it's his script but they yes. you know oh my sliced god sliced and diced thank it.
0: it thank you oh my god i do not understand <laughs> what people don't understand about that it's like there is no saving that movie i'm sorry david ayer but there, like you still wrote the line where uh Amanda Waller says, "Have you ever heard of the pyrokinetic homeboy? Like, there's no getting around how terrible your lines are.
1: (laughs) But, but again, like,
0: unless like you edit them out, but
1: (laughs) yeah, yeah. And I think I think the thing that, that I was trying to get with that, which like, yeah, no, that I, there's no Snyder cut here. It's a totally different. Unless they let him reshoot it and edit out the lines, but he wrote those lines. But the um the thing I was getting at more is that movie is like the embodiment of studio like studios interjecting." And this one feels very much like Warner Brothers. Like, you know what, James Gunn? You're proven. We're going to trust you. It's very similar to Joker. I remember reading before Joker came out that they were – Warner was super concerned about Joker. It was not what they thought it was going to be. And then they're just like, well, you know what? We'll just trust the vision. Go for it. And, you know, it ended up being a huge hit, winning awards, all sorts of stuff. So obviously this isn't – I don't think this is going to win any awards. It's a fun movie, but it's not like award-worthy. But um. It's nice that Warner Brothers is kind of like, you want to, you know, throw this hero in or that hero in or this baddie in or any of the things we're going to spoil in a minute here? Uh, yeah, go for it. We will just let you and we'll just foot the bill. So that was kind of nice. Yeah. Like you could tell that this was James Gunn through and through.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Uh, with that, let's get into spoilers. The weasel dying was probably the hardest
1: I've ever laughed in my entire life. I mean, all that first five minutes, like, that's what I was trying to get at, like, the first five minutes, like, the first half is slow to me, kind of, or not slow, kinda, of not as good as the second half, but that first five minutes where all the marketing, every character, they've been driving all the marketing with, look at this, like, dozen, two dozen person cast list, and then, like, 80% of them are dead. <laughs> like, that was,
0: yeah. That I, was... I absolutely saw that coming, for sure. I was like, there's, there's no way that, and, uh, James Gunn made it, like, very apparent, he's like, do not get attached to these characters. Oh yeah, but I didn't think it was
1: gonna be that fast. I thought they were gonna like sprinkle it throughout. I didn't think like literally uh, it, they'd it, have like an entire it, it, they'd it, it, have two squads and one would be just gone. Like I thought that was. I So like the
2: kills came at the same pace I thought they would, but they were still funny. But yeah, I wasn't surprised by I guess like a whole team getting wiped out. Even if I think the part that it didn't bother me because I was you know I just kind of went in just like oh just take it how it, I'm just taking what the movie gives me as it comes. But yeah, like. It felt a lot of characters felt like they, from the very beginning, like, oh, this person's not going to die. Oh, they didn't. Oh, this person's not going to die. Like, you could tell who has part of I mean, even ignoring Harley Quinn. Like, the per, like, I, I call, I mean, in my head, like, when the movie started, I'm like, all right, from crew two, everyone but Polka Dot guy is going to survive. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. But I think that's really I'll knock to... on it. But it felt too predictable, I guess, in that sense, to me. Yeah, and that's kind of sure. saying
1: before that, like, it doesn't necessarily do things that a superhero movie fan wouldn't expect. It just does them well. Um, but no, like, I, I honestly didn't think, you know, they did some stunt casting for sure, for the sake of just getting the names. Like, you know, Pete Davidson was a stunt casting choice. And to then off him that fast, I was like, wow, okay, alright. Like, I'm not necessarily a big Pete Davidson fan, but I figured they Who's at least Pete even for a Uh, he was, uh, what's the guy's name? Black, Black Shield, Black, something like that. The Blonde Guy.
0: It doesn't matter. Disposable, baddie, number Yeah, exactly. Two. But like the well, way I – mean,
2: no, Yeah, but, well, but why is that a stunt cast though? Like, who oh, is that oh, dude? he's
1: a huge – uh he's on SNL. He's a comedian. He was the one that was engaged to Ariana Grande. He has a big following online. He's a Canadian. That's one of his – No, no, no. Points. Comedian, comedian. <laughs> comedian. Oh, I thought you said Canadian. No, 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 no. He's from Staten Island. He's like as New York as they come. Um, But no, he's like – he's kind of just this well-known comedian. And there's a big following online and they cast him. And I remember at Comic-Con when they first revealed the new Suicide Squad, anything about it was a minute and a half sizzle reel of each actor and which character they were playing. And I a lot of people were like, whoa, Pete Davidson. Like what? And then like literally as worse than Brian Cranston and Godzilla. He was gone in like 10 seconds, which is, again, you know, to James Gunn's whole don't get attached to anyone. It makes sense. But I just didn't think they killed that many that fast. They rendered Weasel and did a whole thing with Weasel like just to have him be dead in five minutes. Like, it's, you know... I just thought it was... I thought they went to extreme... Or not extremes, but I thought they went to... Like, they took the extra initiative to make the impact of that first five minutes that much stronger. In my opinion.
0: I didn't think that they were going to off uh, Captain Boomerang. Yeah. As quickly as they did. Considering yeah. that he was one of the original Suicide Squad members.
1: Exactly. Like, all of them at some point, I think I expected to kind of die because of the marketing, but I didn't think they'd do... Like, literally... Like, the first five minutes is basically no one that's in the rest of the movie. And I was just like, that. Yeah, except... Yeah. I uh, thought that uh, was kind except
2: of...
0: Except uh, Harley and... Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And Flag. Uh, Rick Flag, which Rick Flag also biting it by the end of this movie, I was like, huh. They they really actually can't off whoever they want. Then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: Harley, though. So... I appreciate they gave her another... Um, like, Birds of Prey, one of, the things I thought they, one of the cool things in Birds of Prey I liked was when they did that extended fight scene she was in. And they did it again with this one, but with a different kind of angle, and they did all that fire images. I thought it was just a really well choreographed fight scene. It was really cool to watch. Her subplot was yeah, kind of whatever, even, but that was a cool scene.
0: Even in the uh, 2016 Suicide Squad, as much as that movie sucks, like, her choreography in that movie was still pretty good, too. Yeah. Like, I, I think that there's just something that... Obviously choreography is going to be really, really good when your character is supposed to be like this acrobat, the way that Harley Quinn is. Right. Um, so yeah, uh, but I oh, haven't seen Birds of Prey, so I can't, uh, talk to that movie, it's but also yeah, pretty uh, fun.
1: It gets super like generic CG third act, but like it, it's, it's she, Margot Robbie's a really good Harley Quinn and like really shines in the movie. The rest is whatever, but like she's sure. good in it. Like it's worth watching just for her, I'd say, and for her, again, the fight choreography and stuff. Sure,
0: but uh, as I was saying, uh, yeah, her choreography is always going to be pretty pretty cool. So, as you were saying, her her subplot. Mm -hmm. This is where some of the movie gets a little too much for me. Where her entire side plot of of being almost like groomed to be this dude's uh, wife, and like the music choices and the cuts and the editing just didn't do it for me it where it was that thing that i said where it felt like a bunch of different directors even though it's all obviously james gunn's vision
1: yeah there there was a little of him like paying tribute to tropes i couldn't immediately put my finger on and i feel like that was one of them and i was like okay it's some sort of romantic thing but i'm like i don't know exactly what he's referencing i don't know if this is a reference or he's just like let's just go with this angle and i think that is partly what led to that disjointed feeling too yeah
0: yeah and then there was a little too many scenes that I feel like he sort of that that didn't come out naturally that he sort of forced a uh, case in point when they are about to storm Jotunheim and they're getting out of the van and you have that you know that splash of everybody just coming out in the rain
1: oh yeah where it's yeah
0: like, i i feel like he did. Too much of that, where he wanted very iconic scenes and very memorable scenes to happen. Like immediately right after that, you have King Shark ripping a guy in two with, uh, with lightning. a lightning bolt hitting the back.
1: Yeah, like, yeah. there's was a surprising you have of, like...
0: Harley shooting uh, these two AKs or whatever those two uh, assault rifles are, and then having a bunch of flowers behind her. You know, it, it was too, it was too much of yeah, James Gunn wanting like uh, let's see how many awesome gifts we can make uh,
1: I do wonder on some level is if that was by design not how many gifts we can make but this movie leans in so hard on yes we are a comic book movie I mean the big bad at the end is a giant starfish like come on so I do wonder if on some level he's like you know what if we're going all the way in and we're dig- digging deep into like the annals of comic books let's just make this thing look like it is living breathing comic book panels and that might be where because some of those shots would be straight out of a comic book, right? Like especially her with the AKs and the flowers behind and stuff like that. And I just like like I, uh, I agree. Personally, that they...
0: personally, I do not know if they would be. Um, you don't think so? No. Well, I I never read that much DC if I only read uh Marvel. Or Suicide it Squad it, for Teenager? that matter. Yeah, or Suicide Squad if, for that matter. I guess matter, it just
1: yeah. felt to me like it was very kind of like cartoony almost or not cartoony but very much. yeah I, I get what you're saying i think what's funny is the more it memorable was... parts for stuff like the shoot off between peacemaker and uh Bloodsport and oh that like was that. fantastic yeah, yeah and that's the thing so, that stuck with me more than crazy. those like iconic mo- moments where like i guarantee you though king shark ripping the body with the lightning would be a comic book panel it looks straight it looked like, one.
0: like Oh yeah that, that yeah yeah don't get me wrong there are, there are absolutely pa- uh, shots in here that definitely would translate well to a comic book but um yeah, it just felt like too much of of James Gunn just like trying to make these scenes stand out uh way more than, you know, just any other scene. Yeah. Which, uh another one that comes to mind is uh when they're in the bar. Uh I, I'm sorry audience, I'm sorry if you hear a baby in the background.
1: Apologies.
2: It, I can hear him through is, my headphones. Is the baby Jesus.
1: agree disagreeing with your opinion or disagreeing with our opinions cuz clearly it's unhappy about something uh, one of us is I don't, saying. <laughs>
2: I have
0: no idea. I think it's just unhappy in general. Those uh. those all babies are. Um <laughs> so what was I saying? The the scene in the bar when uh who is it? Uh polka dot man is dancing on the floor and there's that crazy like swing of the camera. Yeah. Uh I'm like, okay, that's a little too self indulgent. Yeah, that uh, was right before that you have Ratcatcher telling her story and the bus like slowly fades to the inside of the bus slowly fades to black with with the exception of the windows, and then you see uh you know, her backstory through the windows. There's the shot of Rick Flag and Peacemaker fighting, but you see it through the helmets. It was too many touches of that. I, I like. liked that shot a lot. I even verbally no, no, said no, no, out loud. Wrong. That's it, cool. But they could yeah. <laughs> they could be they're they're cool, but it's too much of that and it's too different every single time. Like it's not cohesive enough. The oh, directing sure, style sure, sure. is not cohe wasn't like cohesive enough for me. Well right. the the overall vision is like yeah this is all like I, like we keep saying this is James Gunn's movie but the directing and the editing I felt wasn't
1: That I see what you're saying that makes sense yeah
0: Yeah um but that was really like my only issue with the movie aside from that it was, it
1: was fun as hell uh Oh yeah and the characters like it's amazing how you know, I didn't think I, like, Ratcatcher ended up being, like, my favorite, or sorry, Ratcatcher 2 ended up being, like, maybe my favorite character. I thought I was gonna, I knew I was gonna like King Shark, because, like, I like doofusy characters like that. I mean, Badoof, you know, that's that's my favorite Pokemon. It all lines up. But, um, yeah, so King Shark I knew I'd like, but I did not expect Ratcatcher 2 to be so likable, or to become, like, a favorite by the end.
0: Oh, yeah, and, and yeah. literally by design, like, he obviously made her the, you know, the heart and soul. Oh, of, totally, uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, um... I know it's a movie thing, but why didn't Peacemaker just kill her, like, in all, like, eight minutes that he had the gun pointed at her? When he would, like, well, it wasn't like, eight people, minutes. Like, it, it, it wasn't was, eight uh, minutes. It was, no, like, I, know, no, I, I, know, I know. I'm exaggerating. But, like, he had, yeah. like, more than enough time to just pull the trigger instead of just pausing. Oh, there well, is i, I uh, would
1: No, more so pausing. Honestly, so. he, I think he was a little conflicted because he wants to fulfill the mission, but he liked her. Like, he didn't even want to kill Flag until they started fighting, and then he kind of had to but I think he was and like even after actually, he
0: kills Flag he's he's like broken up about it too yeah
1: I think I don't think he was just like a, a war machine on a path I think he he believes very strongly in his mission but he also like liked her a lot it seemed like so he was like ah because you know it's it's not Fair easy enough. to I was I was
2: very passively just watching this movie so I just felt like yeah. and it, it felt very like end of the movie she like oh my god just pull the trigger I like oh of course see now you're dead well, that was, is, if impressive.
0: you watch it if you watch it back, you hear the uh bloodsport Idris Elba's character uh, falling through the building. Like you hear it in the background, so it happens almost immediately. Like yeah, that that's why he like just didn't pull the trigger because as soon as he was bloodsport is already on his way down. But even then, which they, by like, the way, thing did did they like did share. Their...
2: They, I mean, they still like share like stairs for a while. I don't know. It I don't know. It it still bothers me, but. Trust me, it works. It, yeah,
1: I think it works too. I it, also- as, uh,
2: The only
0: thing that I'll give you is that it's, yeah, it is cliche, of course, that, oh, how convenient that he lands here. But as far as the timeline goes, yeah, it makes sense. Like, you, as soon as he's, he's about to shoot her, you hear the, you hear that he's almost at the
1: bottom. Yeah, yeah, which two thoughts about that. One, what a nice probably unintentional tribute to his Guardians of the Galaxy ride. The way that Bloodsport, like, falls down the tower felt very much like how uh, the Guardians ride goes at uh, Disneyland. But anyway, like the same lurching. But anyway, um, no, the thing I was actually going to say... that's a nod? No, not intentionally, I'm sure, but it reminded me of it. Um, oh. Maybe it is. I doubt it, though. But the um, the thing I was going to say is one thing I did like to the point about, like, the different times and stuff. You know, we were saying, so the, the shots don't make sense, but I thought the way the movie was, like, the... The way it kind of zigzagged around in terms of different times, and the way it like introduced new segments with those like title cards that were kind of integrated in to the scenes, I actually really liked those. I thought they're pretty cool. Yeah, like, I
0: like those. I wasn't too crazy about the chronology of uh, of the movie.
1: I I didn't mind. Weirdly, or, chronology the, the, the yeah yeah yeah. Right I word? think so. Yeah. I didn't mind yeah. – so the first one when they – that that's typical, you know, cliche where it's like, oh, well, yeah, three days earlier. Sense. But the second one when they did, went with one character for a while and then jumped back and basically told the other character and had it meet in a way – just because it's a little different, I liked it. But I also appreciate that they were able to like focus on what was happening with one character instead of trying to tell the A and B plot simultaneously and jumping back and forth. Like I feel like having the fight with uh, Peacemaker and Flag be all one fight and not jump over to like, oh, but – over here here's some conch relief with like the milton conversation like it just felt better to have them be completely individual scenes versus boun- bouncing back and forth at least to me
0: okay i can i can kind of see that
1: yeah but but yeah it's uh it's a fun movie i mean yeah, the fact that they movie. worked I'm a giant w- starfish into a movie as the big finale piece is like like the penultimate scene is just like ridiculous in a good way
0: <laughs> yeah uh the ending did get a, a little too cheesy for me with uh the way that Ratcatcher saves the day, but I mean, what are you gonna do? It's James Gunn is known for his like cheesy "I am family," like "We are family." Uh, yeah, and that's
1: probably that the magister. biggest parallel between Guardians and this is ultimately the arc of the hero oh, yeah, of absolutely. the characters connecting is the same sort of like we're all in this together, kumbaya thing. Yeah, yeah,
0: but it's fun. It's fun. It's funny when the when the movie starts. Uh, what's the song that uh, "Folsom Prison Blues"? Yeah. Like starts playing by Johnny Cash. I was like, "Isn't this what we criticized the first movie for? For just having like all these songs?" But I, I guess the, the only argument that you can really make there is uh like those songs didn't necessarily fit the the theme of that movie. They it was almost just like we can license this song. Let's just throw it in there.
1: Yeah, I think I think but it was this had a lot
0: like more than the 2016
2: Suicide Squad.
1: I think the difference is they're all stylistically connected. Not just to what's going on in the movie, but also to one another. Like, you know, everyone's like, oh, James Gunn, like, he does, you know, the Guardian soundtrack. And this was that same sort of ear, but he... They were all, for the most part, a similar genre and all kind of a different set of songs than it would be in a Guardians. So he kind of applied the Guardians formula, but, like, did music that actually felt a little more connected to me. Like, there was a lot of it, but it felt... The one thing he probably could have done a little less of is he multiple times did here's some music Nazca to fade into the scene by suddenly being what the radio plays. Like he did that like three times. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. <laughs> but, but but all the songs I felt like like the, the the tone of this movie and even like the way they did the graphics for the logo and the credits like all of it was kind of like '70s like '70s rock sort of and it kind of worked or not necessarily rock, rock but you know like indie rock '70s like guitar driven like that sort of thing. Minus the clubs oh, yeah, where they yeah, had yeah, some sure. generic hip hop that they never even had lyrics to. So the the what scene the The club scene when they're in the club and the subtitle oh, literally yeah, says yeah. alternative hip hop and I'm like I don't is that a genre alternative hip hop but yeah
0: I th- I think the word lyrics to
1: it though. oh maybe maybe yeah, I was paying attention
0: yeah yeah uh so unless we got anything else is that all we got to say about the Suicide Squad
1: go watch it it's fun yeah
0: <laughs> I'm watching it again what's tomorrow Sunday so I'm watching it on Monday again in 40x
1: oh. 40x. You gotta uh, tell us how that angel.
0: is. I remember watching Endgame in 40x, and I was like, I don't understand how anybody can see movies in 40x. But, uh... But I think that's the it. only way that I, that I get uh, Elvis to watch this movie at all. I, if anything, I would literally just want to see Elvis's reaction to the weasel dying. And, <laughs> but man, because that, oh. that was, you the, was the, thing hard, I'm the hardest watching I've ever left. I I doubt that he was ever gonna watch this movie.
2: Oh. I guess he you know, he either really all too into the live action D C side, so I guess that makes sense. But there. Yeah.
0: So Yeah, that'll that'll do Suicide Squad. Uh do you guys wanna do a
1: little Luca talk or... Might as well. It's gotta be brief, I think. Um Yeah. Yeah, I think I feel like Luca's been this movie that came out like I guess two months ago now. I think Angel and I both saw it right around within a few weeks of it coming out. And then it was just kind of these movies. It's just like, all right, and just sort of was on the back burner if we ever needed something to talk about. But I mean, Andrew, what do you think of it?
2: Very pretty. I mean, animation—you know—the quality of their of the movements and the visuals are always top notch. Always getting better for Pixar movies, so there isn't really much to say there. Aside of like, also just the art direction and the character styles were also pretty interesting they're much more rounded they feel a lot more like cartoon network characters they remind
1: me of ghibli a little the whole movie reminded me of ghibli a little but even the character design kind of
2: like the well well i don't know about that but okay uh, never mind i'm going to say <laughs> yeah i'm going to say that because i mean i yeah like the the character designs were like ripped straight out of like your typical like shows that are were airing on cartoon network like and i guess um nickelodeon like in the last like six years like down to like the mouse shapes like they're like they could have been ripped out of, like, Wee Bear Bears. It's, like, everyone... It's almost, like... They call it, like, the Cal Arts look. Like, it has, like, a name in the animation world just because it's so prevalent. But, um... But, you know, like, they... But we haven't really seen something like that in 3D, so that still made it, you know, cool and more unique, for that matter. But, um... Yeah, I mean, my... You know, simple story. Kind of little Mermaidish. but, like, my only real problem with it was just, like, how abrupt the ending felt, but... And there were, like, some things that I kind of wish were explored a little more towards the end that I felt like would have made it a lot stronger. But I don't know if it was, like, a budget thing, because sometimes it feels like Pixar is doing their two movies a year, and it always feels like one of them suffers. But this time it felt like neither of them suffered that much. It felt like they both came up like, quality overall. I'm referring to Soul and Up. The last time I remember this happening was, like, Inside Out and Good Dinosaur. And there's a clear winner right there in that one. But... um. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what I thought about. So what, it. I what want about to it to felt? Sp-
1: what about it felt abrupt to you?
2: Just uh, the the re- I guess the acceptance and reconciliation with the villagers and the I guess the creatures because they were like ready to like kill them, and then the father he just comes in he's like, "They're not monsters, they're this people." And then everyone's like, and "They're even even the villagers are like, wait, weren't we gonna like, but are, are we gonna kill them?" And then they're just like, "Okay, all right." I mean. This guy clearly has enough pull that if he says it, it's like, all right, yeah. he's saying it. So, But, you know, that wasn't really established, I feel. And a note that I thought was kind of cool that I wish like was like, kind of explored more because, like, at one point, the dad, like, it's implied, like, throughout the movie that he's, like, building a relationship with, I already forgot his name, Alfredo? Um, Armando? Al- Alfonso? No. Something like that. Well, he's building a relationship with not Luca, like they're like bonding and getting along because they've been working together mm-hmm. and at one point when you know he's out it, and I love the way like you know the betrayal happens in this movie. I thought that was kind of nice or nicely handled um but essentially, you know not Luca runs away, and the dad's not like, "I'm gonna go look for him," and he takes an umbrella, and then later you see him coming back with that umbrella, so you're like, "Oh okay, so." He must have had like a heart to heart or something with like the dad. Cause you know, the dad who hated fish more than anything, or I mean, you know, hated the sea monsters for some reason, like was the one to, I guess I like, probably encourage him to come back. And I feel like I would have loved to see that speech. Like I felt like that would have been like the, one of like the impactful, like tear jerking moments or something, because you know, he never had a father figure, but it felt like we, well, yeah, we didn't get that. We just, it was all implied with the, with the visuals i guess which i felt were easily missed because i didn't get that until after i saw them like once it was done and mm-hmm. i'm like oh, mm-hmm. that's right." Mm-hmm. it was uh, it was the guy, that guy's umbrella which means that happened because of this we mean that They're like oh wow that's kind of cool but when i was watching it it felt like oh that came out of nowhere
1: well but... the, the movie as a whole to me felt like a kind of less is more thing like even by pixar standards like the stakes of this movie are so much smaller like it really is like kind of a, like like when I made the Ghibli comparison, it's really kind of a slice of life movie, which Pixar doesn't usually do. Um, uh-huh. so yeah, I think partly like, I don't know, like the fact that it's kind of implied, but only really focused on the relationship of those two kids. And then they just sort of like, if there are exterior forces that like affected it, they just kind of let that happen off screen. Like I thought that's kind of nice that it really was focused on those two kids. And I get what you're saying, though. Like, yeah, like, where, why would he feel that way? Like, what did he get told? But like, I, I kind of liked how it really was just like about their bond and their simple little bike race. Ultimately, yeah. So I, I guess
2: yeah. I was, it, it didn't have as much substance as I was hoping it would. Right. But, that's fair. You know. That's fair. But but yeah. but like you said, like it it, it definitely had a, a smaller scope. It wasn't trying to be as like deep as Soul was, or yeah, which was like refreshing
1: otherwise. for Pixar. Like yeah. you know, just for well, them to be like, I don't just know. a little I, story. It, it, I thought was cool. Yeah,
2: I mean, it left me feeling, you know, like I said, like I me feeling wanting a little more, but I still enjoyed it, though. But right, yeah, right,
1: and yeah, to your point, the animation is go- like the the it looks so good, especially like in 4K, like it looks so good, like they did a really nice job, and like the the design of the world, like even the way just like they designed the town is like, you know, it's it's like sort of realistic but also not like it is really it's a really nice to look at movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, there's not a whole yeah, lot to it because it is kind of smaller scale, so. So that's Luca, yeah. I guess, unless you had any other thoughts. Um,
2: no, no. Everything was just pretty about it. I mean, looking forward to whatever they do next. Not as much as before. I don't know. I feel like I haven't. Uh, what came after Coco? I think, because I want to say like Coco was the last time I had an, an soul? emotional gut. Was it Soul? Damn, was it that long in between those two
1: movies? Well, the pandemic. unless they had something. I mean, when did Coco no, wait. come out? Yeah, they might have. Uh, let me... Coco was like 2018, maybe? Yeah, I mean, yeah. they so had other stuff. Right they there. definitely had... A, oh, they had Toy Story 4. Oh, yeah. At least. I mean, I
2: liked that one, but I mean, yeah, I felt like I haven't had an, uh, an emotional gut punch like I did for Coco. I mean, yeah, since Coco. Oh, Onward. Onward. 2, 2, 3, Toy Story... Uh, yeah, Jesus.
1: they had a bunch. Oh, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff. And and Onward...
2: 2 is, eh. See, like, I liked Onward, but... I mean, ending was great. Beginning with, I thought was okay... It took a while to get going. Incredibles 2 was, it was entertaining. <laughs> I, I Incredibles 2 it, was but... literally
1: Incredibles 1 over again. <laughs> like, yeah, the beats did, were the except, same. <laughs> yeah,
2: just the mom is now the focus instead of the dad. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, it, it wasn't a bad movie, but, you know, it, it, I guess it just comes with the territory. And, I mean, that's just, like, us in general with, like, other mediums. Like, we we have digested so, like, all... Basically, all the Pixar movies we played so many Mario games, we play so many blah blah blahs. Like we've kind of seen so many different combinations of these same things. Like it's it's just hard to impress us, or it's just they have to work harder to impress us, which sucks for them and sucks for us. But I don't know. I mean, maybe we'll get something one day because you know they don't have to try. They you could just focus for like you know the new generation. I mean, a lot of these kids. Probably, like, Luca was probably someone's first Pixar movie, and they have all these other ones they could watch later, but they might not yeah. get around to them until much, much later. So, it's like a reset button, just like with video games. They don't have to keep targeting us. We're an afterthought. We're probably, we're definitely not the... Yeah, it's like... market know, the, for a lot of these things, so...
1: It's the new Super Mario Bros. Just, effect.
2: It is what it is. So, you know, not complaining. Just, uh, we still got our old movies, just kind
1: of hoping for... You know that Probably, is man the yeah. poor
0: soul who knew Super Mario
1: Brothers is their first Mario game. Poor poor soul. <laughs> it's honestly not that bad of a game though, but it's just no, very. Those games are those games suck. Wow, wow. We need to save this conversation for a random Nintendo. Yeah, we did, we did. But I was just say, you know, honestly, your point, like not to get too like, oh man, we're old now because like we're not that old in the grand scheme of things. But I was having the same. No, thought. We're ancient. We're kind of we're millennials A&M, and A&M Gen older Z's than like twenty six it... right now is just ancient. True, true. But yeah, I was having this thought it's funny that angel you mentioned this because i thought thinking about music because there's a ton of new music coming out right now because all the like pent up creativity from the pandemic so like you know we were talking about Kanye at the top but it's also like in the next couple weeks we had a we had a weekend um single come out like last week we have the killers coming out next week which i'm sure kevin you're gonna have thoughts on when that happens um oh god yeah we have like it's like there's a cold play like stuff that I'm interested in at least. There's like a cold play on in like six weeks. There's um like it's just this constant churn of like these bands that usually they'd be spaced out like one or two a year are all coming out in like a ten week window. There's a bunch of not even thinking of. And I was thinking about thinking about like the music I'm interested in and excited about and the stuff that like I'm discovering now, like and that sort of thing. And I realized we're getting to the age where like the lyrics are getting juvenile for some of this stuff. Like stuff that someone that's like twenty one or 20 or 25 or writing about like... Like I was listening because I was kind of curious and I'm not going to lie, it's not bad as like a pop-punk album, but I was listening to like Machine Gun Kelly's like weird turn towards punk. And it's, again, not... It's very mainstream. It's very like poppy, but it's kind of fun. And like he's 28 or something and his lyrics, I'm like, are you like 15? Like what? And I've never had that thought about music before. And like there's just so much of it coming out right now that I keep having the saw as I hear the new material that's like these newer artists versus like the ones I'm excited about. I'm just like, oh man, like. These lyrics are not, like, I don't know. I feel like I'm, like, too old for these lyrics. Like, it feels like too, you know what I mean? And then, like, the stuff from the arts we do know, it's like, oh, well, is this different enough or new enough or in the direction of X, Y, or Z? Like, there's not just, like, it's harder to get that pure, just like, oh, the, everything just clicks. Like, even The weekend's new song, uh, Take My Breath, which is really good. I'm seeing there, like, oh, it has elements of this album and that album and this. And I hear how he took inspiration from his previous work here and there versus just being like, oh, whoa, what cool new sound. Which, you know, for weekend fans who maybe only gone to After Hours, it is a, like a more disco-y sound. So they're probably like, oh, this is neat. But like, it's just weird. Like that experience we have with movies, with games, with music is just shaping, you know, stuff that maybe would have been totally fine 10 years ago in a totally different way now. And I guess that's true for- Did
0: you listen to that, uh, to yeah? that Foo Fighters-
1: The the uh, uh, the DGs? Album? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, the DG when they covered the Bee Gees. Is that what you're talking yeah, about? did you listen to that? Yeah, I, I skipped around it. I'm not huge into the Bee Gees or like d- disco in general. Although funny enough, uh Weekend's new song has a hint of disco. But um yeah, I did I did kind of jump around it a bit. It's uh it's a straight up cover album, <laughs> just with a little more rockish take on it. But mm. yeah, it's I mean like he, uh Dave Grohl's singing in like falsetto. Like it's full on going full Bee Gees.
0: Okay, so I can absolutely skip it was what you're
1: saying. Cool. Yeah, it's it's five songs that are all BG songs, yeah. I mean, I don't even have it downloaded and I have like every Foo Fire album. So I think it's cool they did it. And like, that's something that's kind of fun. And like, you know, no matter, you know, our experience with music, just having a band you like do something totally like left field like that's kind of fun. But eh, but I don't know. Have you had that? I mean, Kevin, you're, you're way more into, I like more contemporary music than I feel like Angel is. Kevin, have you had this happen where like you're listening to stuff and you're, you're, it's just, you're either being pulled too much, like it's too much like this or too much like that or not what I want or like the lyrics just aren't hitting like they used to. Like, are you starting to experience that too or am I like weird? No, it might just be you.
0: I, I listen to the same five albums that I was listening to back in two thousand two thousand eight. So
1: oh, okay, yeah. No, I'm very much like albums. you know every new music Thursday or Friday. I guess like Thursday at nine p.m. I'm right on Apple Music. Like, oh, what's new this week? What are throw? And some of it I can put up with. Like some of the lyrics, I was like okay, but like it's. T- I never had that thought of like okay, like I'm starting to now. It's 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 weird. But then again, I never listened for lyrics to begin with. I just like how things sound. So. You know, I'll, I'll, bite, I'll, I'll bite the bullet and keep listening to a song about, like, some high school date or something and be like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, like, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's like a half-baked thought, but it just occurred to me when Angel talked about the movie in our age. Well, that was Luca. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, no, I'm teasing. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of uh, Ren and Nintendo Next week we will have a brand new episode of the Random Nintendo Podcast where no, I, don't, I have no idea what we're talking about. We have a, we have a good, healthy
1: selection video. of things. There are finances, and they're not all positive for once. There is an update to Mario Golf. There's an update to Knockout City. There's a lot of updates on things we already knew, essentially. So I don't know. It's like well, okay. we'll figure well, out a theme or a tile, but something with updates probably. So well,
0: look forward to that. Yeah. Uh, and then two weeks from now, another episode, God willing, of the Random Nintendo Podcast. Uh, let us know what you thought about the episode in the uh, comment section of the blog post. That usually never happens, but hey, it's there if you want to do it. But shout out to the people at- We are RandomNintendoCom. I was going to say shout Uh, out to the
1: people that do comment on Twitter, on YouTube, not on the site, but just in general, there are people that engage with us and it is appreciated.
0: Yeah, we appreciate it. You're listening to us on some podcast app. We're on others, just in case uh, you want to switch <laughs> it up a little bit. Uh, on Twitter, we are at Random Nintendo. Individually, Jason is at jsr7. Angel is at. I, I always misspell, it, misspell, mispronounce. We Wiro, Wayro. Wayro. Okay, I got it. Way. All right, Wayro underscore O, which is W E I R O underscore oh and i'm kv and gomi uh and that'll do us for this uh this episode jason takes out
1: listen to the weekend's new single it is very good very catchy and it will be stuck in your head after like